0: National media continues to exaggerate and promote misleading negative headlines designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Remember, the only people who want to defund the police and dismantle these agencies are the criminals. And don't forget to thank a cop. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Law Matters. Our guest today is Mike Jetty. And he's recently tossed his hat into the ring for a Pima County attorney. And we want to learn a little bit about him because I've never heard of him before. So what's your background? Tell us about you. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you live? What are your plans? Good. Everything.
1: Everything. Good. Well, good morning. Kathy, good morning. May I call you Sherry? Sure. Thank you, Sherry, for having me on the show. And thank you for the opportunity to... Give me a, give me an opportunity to give a little background about myself. So, um, I grew up in a Marine Corps family, and um, my parents own a ranch in Montana. And um, I went to the University of Oregon. I, I know I'm a duck. <laughs> I'll explain. But I'll explain in a sec. But I um, went to the University of Oregon as an undergrad, and then went to law school in Portland, Oregon. Um, I wanted to be a, an environmental lawyer. So, Lewis and Clark in Portland was a pre dang Good Law School, um, and then I started working for a big law firm, and it was like, uh, I don't want to work for a big law firm. Um, unfortunately for the family, uh, one of my brothers got sick um, in Tucson, so I moved to Tucson in 2001, and I've been in Tucson since 2001, so I consider myself as I kind of a quasi-native uh, of you Arizona. You can
0: be a native. I'm always from Chicago, We you can be a native.
1: So, so it's, been, it's been 23 years yeah. I've been in Tucson, and when I got to Tucson, um, I went to get my master's in business with a focus on finance at the Thunderbird, um, which is, I think ASU just bought them out, but Thunderbird was the global leader in international business. And then I also have a master's in international security from the University of Arizona. There so I'm a wildcat now, and my wife is a professor at the university. Um but most important, most people want to know what my work experience is. So I've been a career prosecutor here in Arizona. I started about almost 17 years ago in a small county on the border, Santa Cruz County. I was a victim lawyer, a victim prosecutor. And um, I graduated or I got recruited to go to the Arizona Attorney General's office um, where I focused in on all kinds of crimes, but mainly financial crimes public corruption, and oftentimes we would do a conflict case from Ms. Lowell's, um crew because it was a big, sometimes there's a natural conflict, and so the um, Attorney General's office would take those conflict cases from the county. Then I get recruited to go to the U.S. Attorney's Office, so I become a federal prosecutor, just like the Jack Smith guy who's prosecuting Trump. There's about 4,000 of us nationwide. I worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office for about Almost nine, ten years, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, And during my tenure at the U.S. Attorney's Office, DOJ asked me to go overseas. So I've was been to Sri Lanka, the Philippines. Um, Was he trying to get rid of you, or was that a purpose? No, I think my wife had something (laughs) to do with (laughs) your My wife told me I was available. And then I spent about two and a half years in Pakistan. And my tenure in Pakistan was to set up prosecution offices, Train prosecutors on the rule of law. Obviously, work on cases with a U.S. nexus and work on terrorism cases, among other things. So, so,
0: okay, so you were there teaching them on the rule of law. Whose law? Ours or theirs?
1: It's the it's better concept of rule of law? So they've got their okay. own. They got their own legal system. That's what I'm thinking. And so you try. You, what you try to do is you help them pass legislation to make it improve. Like for example. Should there be a, a right against self-incrimination? Should there be? Okay. So you work on these rule of law standards that the Western Western societies have implemented. That we, we 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 use we use and we we believe in. And so we try to say, hey, here's the rule of law that we're using. Is it's effective and it protects defendants. It gives victims voices. And sometimes you've got this, this mashing up of systems. And so. And there's a lot of people in Pakistan who, who want a better system. But, you know, it's it's where you start. And so they've this is a country that has been through a lot of turmoil and yeah. still has a lot of turmoil. It's, I think it's the top ten of the most dangerous countries. They've got terrorism all over the place.
0: So, <laughs> they <Thank> sent you there.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm back now. And then when I came back, I just recently resigned a few weeks ago to run for Pima you County. You
0: resigned from?
1: The U.S. Attorney's Office to run for Pima County Attorney. Okay. So. But now you're, you're caught up. Now you're caught up.
0: But you're not totally unemployed.
1: No, you're right about that. So um, I was recruited to go down to the border to help prosecute the a rancher. A specific case. A specific case. The rancher who, um, quote, unquote, allegedly shot a migrant on his property. And so I'm helping prosecute the case. I'm the lead prosecutor on the case. And so um, I like to think because I'm a super qualified individual, but I think it's you know, it's a combination of it's a it's a high profile case. I'm used to high profile cases, and it's a complicated case, I'm easily used to high complicated cases. So it's a it's a combination of factors of why they need some help down there. So
0: Well, I was listening to radio the other day and I, I heard somebody describe you as vague and ugly. So do you have a response to that?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate that someone we just you know, my, my challenger is calling me vague and ugly because I think the quote centered around crime in Tucson. And for some reason, there's this narrative, a false narrative that crime is down. And, you know, everyone who's on on this phone can pull up TPD Tucson police department website and look at the stats themselves. And so, and so it's, it baffles me that the narrative is still existing. That crime is down is to gaslight everyone here saying we live. I mean, just your anecdotal stories, and then your stories from TPD. So to say that crime is down in Tucson, it's, a, it's a definitely a false narrative. And I'm not, I'm not trying to fear monger here. I'm just saying to you that we need a change. We need someone in office to say, if you commit a crime, I've got evidence beyond a reasonable doubt, I'm gonna prosecute you and hold you accountable. And so my law enforcement officers need someone that with that with that kind of, it's unfortunate, but you have to call it moxie, to hold someone accountable. You need someone with a little bit more, little more sp- stiffness to the spine. So,
0: okay, I went on your website, which is mikejetty.com, and jetty is J-E-T-T-E, and it's all one word, mikejetty.com. And I noticed the colors were the colors of the Thunderbird School of Global Management. Is that intentional or was that by accident?
1: No, it's it's intentional. and I'll tell you why because I think for far too long we we forget about the impact of crime on small businesses. And so I got an MBA in finance. I understand the importance of business in our community. And so and I you know I was a financial crime prosecutor. So when you have businesses shuttering, businesses closing down because you got retail theft or damage, you talk to the El Charo owner. You talk to owners of in the St. Phil's plaza. You talk to owners even, even Walgreens, big, even your big box retailers, Walgreens and things like that. Yeah. So you talk to them, or just just by basic evidence, they're moving out because of crime and lack of enforcement and lack of prosecution. So it'd be one thing if there's crime, but then you're but then you're holding people accountable. It's quite another when there's crime and there's nothing being done. And so why why put the more resources in? And most of these small businesses, Sherry. Operate on razor thin profit margins. That's true. And so, if you get burglarized, or you know, you get theft, or re- whatever the situation is with this business, you've got now you you lost the inventory. You've got to increase buy buy new inventory, put security measures in place, maybe hire a guard, put cameras or fences, and then your insurance rates go up. And so, this is going to shutter businesses and restaurants and so forth and places that my wife and I like to go visit. These are the consequences that come from lack of enforcement and lack of prosecution. And it's just the reality. I, this is not rocket science. And so to answer your question, yes, I'm I'm very fine-tuned into small businesses and even the big box retailers. We want, we need our businesses here because they employ me, they employ you, they employ everyone in our community. So.
0: Okay. Tell us the difference between an attorney and a litigator. Well, both
1: they're they're, they're both, attorneys. I mean, they're both attorneys. They're both attorneys. But an attorney, when we think of if if you if you draw a delineation between the two, if you draw a delineation between the two, um, an attorney is someone typically we see is is a, has a client and gives advice on a client, reviews documents, and do this. Litigator typically is an attorney who re, is is charged with. Resolving problems in court, and so they they can be a criminal lawyer in court. They could be a civil litigator in court. And so litigators spend their time. They can in, present in a case. All any any attorney can present a case, but litigators Some of them are better than others. <laughs> Some of them are better than others. And I don't want to draw that attention because I I can't count how many trials I have done, and I want to say that Laura Conover. I I don't think it goes beyond the number five, and so in her in her how many years she's been practicing law, I don't think she's had a trial, of any never a prosecution trial and let, a, let alone any trial whatsoever. So I, it couldn't be more than five. So that's a difference. So I would call her maybe an attorney versus a litigator.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Clearly, our representatives in D.C. are too busy fighting with each other and conniving political strategies to get any work done not addressing topics that are passionate to the public, like abortion, assault rifle ownership, being born in America's automatic citizenship, immigration laws, should these topics be put on a ballot for America to vote on, majority rules, that kind of, gee, that concept? Used to be good.
1: <laughs> I, know, I, think, I think Arizona's got a, a, a pretty robust way of doing it. I mean, we have two ways of getting a bill passed: we have the state legislature, or we have referendum. And so there's a two wonderful mechanisms in the state to, to pass it. And most most of our laws just be real. Most of our laws are state laws. I mean, we we're governed by state rule for most of the things we do. There's some federal laws that we, we're governed by, but. We, we have a robust Arizona system here, and we just we should just take advantage of it. So if, if you want a law on abortion or gun rights or whatever, you, you move forward. Now, obviously, you butt up against the Constitution. You butt up against some provisions in federal law, but, I mean, but we've got a pretty robust system. I wouldn't change the way we do it. We just need to change the activism that we have in our community if you really are passionate it, about something.
0: Exactly, and people don't realize if you're sitting on your sofa at home and you're complaining, you're not getting anything done. Call your representative. And put them to work. That's why they're there. That's why you voted them in.
1: Call, have a dinner party, and you possibly run for office too. I mean, there's a, there's a slew, there's a continuum that people can do besides sign a petition, call your local representative, have a dinner party, talk about the issues day in, day out. Just don't watch the news and get overreacted and have a bad sleep pattern, right? So <laughs> You want to make sure you do something. Action's important. Action's <laughs> yeah. important. So yeah. the more active you are, the, the more you feel more in, t- in touch with your community. And so here's an example. We have Pima County attorney coming up for a primary. How active are you going to be in selecting your new county attorney? And that's the important. The
0: last election, the mayor's election, I hear people complaining all the time about what's going on in the city of Tucson. Only one-third of the people registered to vote voted one third what's the matter with that that's a problem if you don't want your voice you know why bother registering to vote if you're not going to do it just makes me mad should make you mad too
1: i mean it's i mean it's unfortunate i mean
0: it is unfortunate.
1: it's hard for me to get mad mad but it's unfortunate i'm not throwing
0: rocks i'm just saying it's not (laughs) (laughs) it's not right if you're registered to vote have your voice heard There's no point in sitting home complaining if you're not going to do something
1: about it. Well, a lot of people. I'm not. I'm not. am not dismissing your view at all. But a lot of people think even when they're even when they do cast a vote, it doesn't matter. And so you got a lot of apathy about even if they do vote, it just doesn't matter. Nothing changes. Nothing changes because people. There's they circumvent things. They they they, they feel like things. People circumvent the law. They do things on their own, or they just pass a new resolution, or or whatever it is. There's a lot of apathetic feelings about. My one vote's not going to matter. And so there's a lot of apathy out there. And it's unfortunate. So we just need to...
0: Yeah, because every vote counts. Every one of them. And I've worked just about every position in the voting poll, in, you know, voting judge, the whole vet. Every vote counts. So get your butts out there and vote. Trial by media. How do you deal with that? I mean, some cases are really, really popular. Look at um, the George Floyd thing for... instance, and he was tried and convicted before he even set foot in the courtroom.
1: You mean the officers? Yes. Yes.
0: And that was not a fair trial by any means. How do you deal with, you do high-profile cases, how do you deal with trial by media? Well, it's
1: a simple rule for me. No comment. You should never hear a prosecutor or a candidate for any office comment on ongoing litigation. Period now, defense attorneys are they're not prosecutors, so prosecutors live by a standard. we do not comment. I am trying to take someone 's constitutional rights away i 'm trying to throw them in prison. I am not going to say something in public about who they are or if they 're an investigation because the moment I say something i 'm investigating someone, I tarnish their reputation, I jeopardize their safety so prosecutors have learned, and it's mandated, you do not comment on ongoing litigation. So if there is a trial by media going on, that's just a a robust media reporting on things. We would hope that the the listeners and the media play by the same rules, that facts, facts, facts. And so we hope that is a rule. As a prosecutor, I have no comment on media covering, because I want media to cover, because this should be a transparent. If a crime happens, I want media
0: how do you deal with the jury though? The jury again—I mean, you can't get away from it in some cases. How do you deal with the jury who's heard all this stuff of the news?
1: Well, we do our best to void dire. Why, dear, is we ask questions to to impanel a jury, and so you, you you do your best to siphon out and find out if someone is is biased, if someone is leaning one way or the other, and so you try to have an unbiased jury. And so there's a there's a mechanism in place for us to try to safeguard. Nothing's perfect. As we've seen, nothing is 100% perfect. But we have a pretty dang good system here. But because it's human-driven, there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be problems. But we have a pretty good system. I've been used to this thing of how, how to pick a jury, voir dire jury, strike people for cause. And if you can be – if you, you may have heard an argument or a media report on something, but you can still be objective. And so I, I don't mind having to – I'd rather have a robust media than – I, you know I, do, I, do I like when you cast certain facts in the media in a, in a, in a color in a way? The answer is no, I don't. However, I' rather err on that than having no media coverage because people need to know what's going on in their community. So I'm, I'm okay with that, but prosecutors need to learn. as we learn Laura Conover, when she was running for office, she made comments about Lewis Taylor. And you're going to see the, 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 the impacts of making comments about Lewis Taylor. she has now interfered with his rights seek justice because she thought she, he should be exonerated, he should get an award, she takes office, she's going to exonerate and then takes it back. And now this individual is being litigated in federal court, so you've got this enormous problem that Lewis Taylor has now has inherited from Laura Conover because she has interjected herself with comments in the media about what should or, what should, or should not happen with Lewis Taylor. And that's not what. That's not okay. Tell the
0: listeners what who, Lewis Taylor. Who is this?
1: Lewis Taylor was convicted approximately. This is going to be a while ago. Like, so in 2013, that was about 42 years. So it's it's been about 50 some odd years ago. He was convicted for the hotel fire in downtown Tucson. Okay, I just want people to know what what's going on. Oh, okay, okay. So that, that's all you wanted for me. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: well, we don't. If it's something that's currently happening there, we don't want to talk about it, do we? I don't want to mess
1: up. No, the you're right. I, no, no. It's not, it's not my case, I'm not commenting on it. I'm just. I'm the. The lesson here is, if if a case is pending in your office or you're running for an office and a case is pending, you do not comment. It's as simple as that. It's a simple rule. Okay. Do not comment. So,
0: okay, let's talk about this thing that's going on, and it seems to be a national thing called swatting, where some knucklehead will get on the phone and. Call in the police department and make a false report, and then SWAT shows up at somebody's house thinking something's bad happening. Um, There's a guy in, in I think he was in Washington, uh, the state of Washington, 21 year old, made at least 20 SWATting calls between here and Canada. What should happen with a person like that? What What's the scenario? How do you address a situation like that?
1: Well, first of all, swatting is not some practical joke. I mean, imagine at 6 o'clock in the morning, 20 armed SWAT members at the local police office coming in, breaching your door with guns up and stuff. So it's... It's not a gentle joke on someone's house because you can cause some serious injury and or death in a SWAT. It, 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 you're, you're putting the risk to the life of the officers and the residents of the home. So that's number one. is a very dangerous thing to be doing swatting. For this individual, he should be charged with, at least with fraud, because he's, calling, he's making a, a fraudulent false statement. So he definitely should be, in Arizona, those are all class two felonies. So if this individual did one call here, that's a class two felony, He's going to, I'm going to ask for him to go to prison for it. Yes, because you've jeopardized the, the health and safety of everyone, including the officers and the residents. This ain't no practical joke. I've I've had a practical joke case. I did the Super Bowl, and when Arizona was in the Super Bowl, and during the, if everyone remembers, Comcast viewers were unfortunately were exposed to pornography during the Super Bowl. I charged the individual who had pornography on the Super Bowl case, Comcast viewers, and that was a practical joke. And I gave him – I was compassionate about it. He lost his job. There was collateral consequences. So I understand what a practical joke is. That's not – swatting is not a practical joke. And so
0: – Some guy put porn on the Super Bowl?
1: I- yeah, when Arizona was playing Pittsburgh, this is a long time ago. This is a long time ago. But then when Fitzgerald scored a touchdown and everyone thought Arizona was going to win this game with a minute 30 to go in the game – during the replay, the Comcast, viewer, someone hijacked the, the <laughs> signal, and someone so, so the the replay you watched pornography for about thirty seconds.
0: I I think I would have been very. I was working the Super Bowl, so I I wasn't watching it on TV. <laughs>
1: but the reason I bring that up is there's a difference between a, a joke, joke versus swatting is not a joke. Swatting right. is very serious business, and he in my mind without knowing all the facts of the case, but unless he's got some mental incapacity or some issue that makes him do that. And I don't know. It sure doesn't sound like he is. I'm just saying (laughs) I don't ever know the facts of a case until I have the whole file in front of me. But on the surface of that, because it's not in my jurisdiction, so I can comment on this. Should he
0: get the bill for all those swatting calls? I mean, it costs the county money. Every time you send people out, you're waking them up, getting them out of bed, getting them dressed, sending them to a scene Because you think it's funny. Should he get the bill for the cost of every one of these?
1: Absolutely. Good. Absolutely.
0: So for the rest of his life. So I have a question. There doesn't seem to be a classification for domestic terrorists. There's terrorists like overseas. But I had a, a U.S. attorney tell me America doesn't have a definition for domestic
1: terrorists. Is that true well so you you're two different issues here so let's, okay let let's let's tear this down so when we say a, a foreign terrorist there's there's organizations that the United States has recognized- including the the rest of the world as a terrorist organization so uh, any member of that group is a terrorist. terrorist in the United States there is no such no group in the United States has been designated as a terrorist organization. Why not? Well, we have a right of assembly. And so to, for us... for us. But if you're assembling to do naughty things... I know, let's, 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 let's compare it, because in Pakistan, let's, let's compare it, right? So you've got an al-Qaeda outfit, which al-Qaeda, their goal here is to overthrow to the U.S. or Pakistan, whatever. And that is a through unlawful means, That is and threats, threats to the public and stuff. There's a definition for terrorism. That is a terrorist organization. Proud Boys... They do stupid things, but their organization is not set up to overthrow the government. Now, I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of January 6th. <laughs> I'm not doing that. However, that's the difference between the two. Now, individuals in the United States can commit a terrorist act. doesn't mean they like are... Like Oklahoma. A, yeah, Oklahoma is an example. One, You can do a whole bunch of things that will constitute a terrorist act, but to be considered a, quote, terrorist because of the group you're associated with, there is... According to my current knowledge, there is no group in the United States has been labeled a terrorist organization. Because imagine if they were, Sherry, that group would be wiped off the face of the United States. Because the United States would go, <laughs> it'd be easy for us to pursue them if they're yep. in, if they're in the Appalachian Mountains or in the Rocky Mountains or in Colorado, wherever they're at, it'd be easy for us to find them. The reason foreign terrorist organizations succeed is because they're in the mountains of Afghanistan. And so it's hard for us to root them out of places. But in the United States, if there was a terrorist organization, we'd go get them. But you can still still commit a terrorist act within the United States, even being a domestic U.S. citizen. So you can still commit a terrorist act. You wouldn't consider a, quote, unquote, terrorist. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right.
0: Okay. It's it's, it's hard to get it. But it's it's just some of these things that I see people doing just like, you're a terrorist. Why are you doing that?
1: Yeah, if someone commits a terrorist act. I mean, it's not too far. I mean, I, a one-time. I mean, if you commit a terrorist act. I mean, I, I think you get the label. I yeah. think if, if you get if you commit a terrorist act, I think you get the label. So,
0: okay, I, I've got a question, and I sure. I'm, I've got a solution. I'm not sure it's legal. So, this last couple of weeks, there was somebody in somebody east of here was put to death, death penalty, put to death, but they couldn't find the chemicals that they usually use. So they decided to use nitrogen. Mm-hmm. Apparently it didn't go well. Um, my question is, why did not they call their local DEA office? Because there's fentanyl all over the place. Get a bunch of pills, put it in a bowl, hand the guy a glass of water and say, have at it. It'll have been cost effective and got the job done. <laughs> well, <laughs>
1: Well, I'm not adhering to either one of those two options. Your oh, okay. option, or is it Georgia? Was it Georgia? I what? think
0: it was in Georgia.
1: I, I think it was Georgia. I think the, the 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 chemicals I think come from a come from I think what Norway or Denmark or some Scandinavian. There's some place
0: in the Red right Sea right now, I'm sure. And
1: I think they refuse to sell because their chemicals are. And I don't know this for sure, but I think they refuse to sell to a a country that. In, or a jurisdiction that uses it for the death penalty. So, because oh, okay. it comes from a jurisdiction that doesn't believe in the death penalty, so they're not going to sell it to a place that does that's going to use it for the death penalty. Okay, so I think that is your that is your inventory problem. So then they resort to something <laughs> different. They resort to something different. And so, um, I don't believe in using the death penalty. And so, the, the answer to your question: put them in a box, let them sit there, have an hour outside for rec time. And that's what I want him to do. So and the reason is because it's arbitrary how it's meted out and True it's that. super, super expensive. And now you've got massive litigation in Georgia on this issue. Just imagine the Are litigation they? Well, I, I can't I don't know, but oh, just imagine okay. the litigation expenses you're gonna have for the, the violation of the eighth amendment for cruel and unusual because you tried to put someone to death and he did not die. And so you've got all these issues wrapped up in something. Well he
0: eventually died.
1: Well, you you still have consequences because do you have pain? Was there pain? Do you inflict additional pain? Do you know what the
0: guy did? I don't even know what he did.
1: Me neither. But my my, my issue is, though, put him in a box, keep him away from everyone else. If he's a danger, put him in a box and keep him away. I mean, that's what.
0: So we don't want to use fentanyl?
1: No. (laughs) Fentanyl, in no way or shape or form, anyone, listeners, should never use fentanyl. Recreationally or for punishment. Do not do it.
0: Okay, that was just my idea.
1: You're throwing your pills away right now, aren't you, Sherry?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't have (laughs) any. Okay, let's talk about bail reform. Sure. Because it seems to have fallen apart from coast to coast, and I get calls all the time from people It's like, "What? what are these people thinking? They're not keeping people in jail. Good example, New York. We had some migrants who attacked New York a couple of officers, and the, and the governor said, should they be, it was a question, should they be deported? And, and I was, like I told you before, I, I, my question would have been, can they swim? <laughs> Just, you know, you, you, you yeah. don't do that. You don't come to our country, disrespect our laws, disrespect our law enforcement. These people are out there doing their job and then expect you know special treatment. So apparently they went to jail. They weren't held on bail of any kind because of course the migrants, they have no money. So they let them out and now they're traveling the country. What's wrong with this picture?
1: Okay, well that that is a couple of issues wrapped into one. So, <laughs> so let's let's dissect it just a little bit. So okay. let, me, let me do the, I think the easiest one to explain would be the asylum seekers. So someone's here, they commit a crime, they commit a crime, you prosecute them for that crime. You hold them accountable, right? How they're sentenced and how how they're treated. Well, that's a different issue, but you still need to hold someone accountable. And if there's collateral consequences, well, if an asylum seeker's here and they commit a crime, that's up to the federal government to either deport them or not. If you're a state prosecutor or a county prosecutor or a district attorney, you need to hold them accountable, especially for assault on an officer, right? We want to protect our men and women who every day go out there and put their lives in risk. We want to protect them. So if someone's assaulting them, I'm going to hold them accountable for assaulting the guy and gal who puts on a badge, right? I'm going to hold them accountable. What happens to them after that? That's going to be a federal determination on their status, right? That's, that's, that does that's not come into my equation on this individual who just now assaulted a federal officer, right? That's number one. That's, I think that's an easier, that's, that's,
0: Would would you have asked the judge to keep them locked
1: up? Let's talk about bail. Let's talk about bail. Now, let's go to the bail side of it. New York passed a law that there is no cash bail. So there's no ability for the local DA or county attorney to ask for bail on those situations because I think, if I remember right, New York doesn't allow cash bail anymore. I could be wrong on that, but I think New York does not allow it. But let's use a real situation in Arizona right? Where cash bail is available as an option, right? So think of a quiver. You have a bunch of arrows. You've got releasing people on their own, on their own recognizance. You've got releasing on pretrial services supervision. You got released to a third party. You have cash bail. You have no bail. They're in custody. You have all these options available to the court. My role as a prosecutor is to tell the court during initial appearances, look, here is the fa- here's his history, him or her, Here's their history. Here's their failures to appear. Their absconding status. How many times they failed to show up for court, etc. Here is their risk factor for the danger to the community. Now, judge, with these two factors in mind, you decide on what those mechan- what, what the best option is, including cash bail. So in my mind, is cash bail overused? Sure, it's overused. But my role as a prosecutor, that's not my job. My job is not to set cash bail. My job is to tell the court what the risk factors are, and the court decides. If the Can
0: you suggest?
1: There will be some times I will suggest if I have a victim, especially a minor victim. If I've got a victim I need to have safety in place, I may suggest a bail. But the majority of the time, my 17 years, 16-plus years of prosecuting, you can probably count on your hands how many times I've argued for cash bail. I don't argue for cash bail. My job is to let the court decide with all the risk factors. They hear from me, they hear from the defense attorney, and they hear from the defendant, and they make a rational decision. That's how that's how release conditions should be set.
0: Okay, I I've heard people say that um, criminals are are released and back out on the street before an arrest report is even completed and it's because the judge not the attorney
1: involved is because of the judge. Is that true? That, that very well could be true. And so if, if that's the case most of our judges are appointed and they get, they get up for You see that box on your, when you're talking about elections and talking about getting involved, you see that box and you'll see the judges, do you want to
0: And you know what frustrates me is they don't put out any information about the, the judges. You have to go hunting Look for it yourself to find out which judge is doing their job and which one is a flake.
1: And so we, we live in it. We, we want a system. We want a system of where a judge, a neutral party, weighs both sides and makes a determination. Just like we have a jury system. You don't want a prosecutor to be judge and jury. You don't want a prosecutor to decide the sentencing of an individual, and you definitely don't want a prosecutor to decide his release conditions, right? We're biased on everything on this because we've got, an, we've got a goal here. Our goal is to hold you accountable. The judges are there as neutral parties. They weigh the evidence like a jury does. They weigh the sentencing factors for sentencing, and they weigh the risk factors for re- release conditions. If the judge releases them, that's how, we, that's how our society has determined this works, Right, As a prosecutor, if I go in there and say, Judge, I want $5,000 cash bail. Well, one, where's $5,000 cash bail come in my mind? I've got no idea where that number <laughs> comes from. And two, <laughs> it's, it <laughs> it's so arbitrary. And so why, why doesn't the, the court know? Because here's why the power of the court's important. The court sees hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases in similar situations, right? And so they understand that when they see defendants and their history and their categories, they understand what the possible best case scenario is for release conditions. I don't. I'm biased. I'm representing a victim who got abused. So I'm going to come in there all fire and brimstone, all fire and brimstone, right? That is not my job, though, on release conditions, I'm going to tell them the risk factors, and the court will make a determination by hearing from both sides. That's my that's my philosophy, and what the we have a court system. So when I teach in Pakistan, it's exactly what we want to do. We want to teach the rule of law. Our judges are tasked with this responsibility. That is why it's important to pick your person, pick the judges appropriately, because these people have so much control over individual rights.
0: And you have to research and hunt and look for their information to find out what kind of judge they are, if they're really liberal and they don't care so much or, you know, what what their background is. And that's something that a lot of people don't consider when well, they go, it, because it'll say...
1: It trickles down. But,
0: yes or no. <laughs>
1: but it trickles down. Let me tell you how it trickles down. When you elect a governor right? That governor is going to be appointing judges, Superior Court judges. And one of those Superior Court judges is going to be a presiding judge. And that presiding judge helps appoint or your city attorney, or your, not your city attorney, but your, your, your local city council or your, your mayor. These local judges are hired and selected by your elected officials. So when you vote Romero, when you vote governor, when you vote, those have consequences that we don't usually see because down the line, they make the determinations on who's going to be wearing the black robe. Right. And so we need to think about when you vote, instead of just voting on abortion or whatever issue is driving, your, driving you, you also think about the other issues that the, those elected officials are in play for. For example, appointment of, of judges. And so oh. that's one thing to consider. So.
0: It's a huge thing to consider. You have to consider all of it. Okay. Let me ask you this. Should parents be held accountable for their underage children shooting people, selling drugs, and trafficking illegals while leading law enforcement on high-speed chases?
1: I, I would I would shiver that if, if I did something stupid as a kid, my parents would be held responsible because I think kids still have agency, right? They may not have been taught well, but they still have agency. And so how we treat them, I don't think parents should be Unless, unless I got a parent giving them the drugs or something, some or giving whack, them the gun, Wackadoo scenario here, which I, I don't. That's not your question. Your question is in general. The answer in is general. in general. The answer is no. But everything's case specific. But the answer is no. No, I, I would shiver at, you know, parents meet me. me. The, the, just imagine the collateral problems you have of going open up a case and then you're ruining lives. I mean, already the kid has ruined the life, ruining lives. And now you're going to ruin more, more and more. And there's no action by the parent in this. I mean, they may have been a horrible parent. Who knows? But even great parents have crappy kids. And may I, mean, yeah. I say that word. Yeah. My my parents for the longest time thought I was a uh, thought I was a cause I went, you know I'm a, I'm a liberal and so I went to Oregon and so they thought I was a crappy kid because I had a different <laughs> view of the world. I had a different view of the world. So <laughs>
0: I'm not that liberal. I'm not that liberal. I. I think people should be held accountable. And, care.
1: and the parents. Well, when does it stop, though? When does when when does that when does that domino stop? Is it the parents, or is it siblings too, or is it grandparents well, too? You've or is it got, aunts and uncles, if you've is got
0: parents who hand you know your mentally challenged child a gun, and he goes and shoots up a school, with this case that's on uh, TV right now? Yeah, I think you're you're. Part of the problem because you hand, you gave the kid the gun.
1: Yeah, and I, I want to make sure I understand, we understand this right. Every there's obviously going to be anecdotal stories that are going to, right. going to push the boundary. And number two, I'm talking about criminal. I have not. I'm not commenting anything on any civil liability whatsoever. I'm only talking about a criminal criminal, criminal world. So there's a bunch of civil up? civil things in play here, which I'm not commenting on. I'm not smart enough to comment on the civil side.
0: Okay, so you tossed your hat in the ring to be Pima County Attorney. What motivated
1: you? You know, um, I've, I'm, I've asked this question a lot. A lot It's is the the core reason is victimization, and so I was a victim of a burglary. And at one time, I thought about running for Pima County Attorney back in two thousand and twelve. I decided not to. Good thing because then I went to the feds and had wonderful experiences with the rest of my career. But people remember that, and I came back to Tucson, and what has gone on the past three and a half years to a lot of people is, to put it mildly, very disappointing. So with lack of prosecution, enormous turnover in the office, an office basically in crisis, you've got a lot of victims who don't feel heard, you have cases just simply aren't being prosecuted, And you've got a false narrative that's continually being painted by the county attorney and you have things just not just not what you expect a county attorney to be doing here i'm all for compassionate treatment of defendants but more important than compassionate treatment i have to hold them accountable first and i have to make sure my victims have a voice and so when people remember that i thought about running in 2012 i came back from pakistan I was going to leave the U.S. Attorney's Office anyway because it just wasn't the same for me. I was thinking about possibly staying overseas. So when someone said to me, you know what, this is a crisis here. This has been a a horrible mess. Can you come in? Would you consider? And I talked to my wife and we had a long discussion about it. And the answer was yes. I'm I'm going to try my best with my experience, my trial experience, my prosecution experience, my education, and just the people I know. I'm going to try my best to to be the, the next county attorney to write to the ship and, and put it on a, a path that's...
0: I know I get calls all the time from members of law enforcement and they say that, you know, they'll put a case together and they'll present it and it's a solid case that should be prosecuted and it's turned away. Why would, why would a prosecutor turn away a case?
1: Well, it's, well this is, this is going to be where it's almost impossible to cross-examine anyone. And the reason is because a prosecutor can always hide behind the fact. I don't think there's enough evidence to convict at trial. Right. So, so when a prosecutor looks at it with a subjective lens, looks at this case and says, in my experience, I don't think this is enough evidence. I'm going to decline the case. And there's nothing you can do about that. Nothing you can do about that. So even though the officers, do you think together, it's strategic? I, I think it's just convenient. You have that excuse. And so it's, so to me, I, I'm, I am not saying every single case. I've turned down my fair share of cases from law enforcement. I've turned down my but fair share. But do you share.
0: give them a reason why? Well
1: oh, absolutely, because I want them to learn from it, and I want to learn the next time this scenario comes up, here is what I expect to see in the, 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 the case file. This is what I expect to see from the investigation. Absolutely, there's massive feedback. Every single case gets massive feedback. But a prosecutor can easily hide behind the fact that, I don't believe there's enough evidence, and so what, who are you? You don't get to see the investigation, so only the prosecutor and the cop knows what the answer, what, what the true answer is. Because prosecutors are never going to disclose that there's an ongoing investigation on a case, so you'll never, the public will never be able to second guess so when you have a prosecutor stand up and say the reason I turned that down: not enough evidence. Yeah, and yeah. you're left, and, and you're that, left with that. But that's but, pretty vague. That's pretty vague. It's pretty vague. It's a convenient out, it's a convenient out for folks.
0: So. Okay, so if you've got all these people, and, and I'm talking about law enforcement now, there seems to be a, a frustration. Sure. Because they're trying to do their job, and they're doing their job, but it's not being not being held accountable in a court of law.
1: The job's half done. The job so, that done.
0: You yes. know, they they like. Why am I bothering to do this yeah. when it's not going to, you know, be completed in the court of law? So, what do you say to the law enforcement personnel that we have a lot listening? What do you say to them about what your intention is with the office?
1: Well, keep doing your job because there's going to be a new new person in charge here. Help so. is
0: on the way. Is Help it? is on the way.
1: <laughs> and what, what what I like to what I like is. Um, keep diligent in protecting our community. I mean, that's what we want. Be, just be diligent in doing the same thing you do. It's unfortunate that the morale is at an all-time low. I understand that. But be diligent in protecting people. There will be a new person, hopefully, coming in, in next year. That's me. And so I, I, there definitely will be – Now, not every single case you bring to me is going to get prosecuted. However, I'm going to sit down with you and tell you why – and I have 16 years plus years of prosecuting. So you know that I prosecute cases. I prosecute a lot of cases, unlike Conover, who's never prosecuted a single case. So you've got two different lenses looking at your case. Do you want a defense attorney looking at your case, or do you want a forward-leaning prosecutor looking at your case? Yeah.
0: Do you ever tell them, get this and bring it back, and I'll, I'll prosecute it. Get this this piece of the puzzle bring it back to me
1: all the time and only the rare times when you can't get the missing piece the case can't get prosecuted all the time
0: the prosecutors we had before if there was a call that you know a murder or something was going on he would go out to the scene of the crime do you do that
1: yeah, that doesn't happen very often except for homicides. Exactly, the homicides. So almost everything. I can't imagine it would be it would be a shock to me that the Pima County Attorney's Office does not send out a homicide. Oh, I prosecutor. don't know. If they're, they're not. I, I would think that tradition still stays the same because. Those are the most serious of our serious crimes, taking the life of somebody. And so you want a prosecutor there on the scene just to make sure things are processed or answering questions from detectives. So you want a prosecutor on scene. So I think Does that, that happened
0: so, with like a hit and run, because we've had quite a few of those lately. People, you know, get hit by a car. And
1: I can I can only speak for homicides. No, I can only speak for the wall. And so I, I oh. a, lot, a lot of times the walls a. Prosecutor's vehicular. The vehicular unit was sent out of prosecutor. So I know a lot of times the wall did that a lot. I can't speak intelligently about what this office does or doesn't do. I've been gone in Pakistan for so long, but I hear. Did stories you bring
0: us souvenirs or anything?
1: To you for you?
0: Yeah.
1: I no, did <laughs> no, not bring you a souvenir. Sorry, Sherry. Okay, fine. <laughs> we just met each other. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, tell us what your intentions are and how people can learn more about you. Talk about the 17th of February. Talk. Radio.
1: So the February 17th, is you've been gracious enough to allow me to have a town hall. I believe it's at the, the Dodge facility, which is...
0: No, it's not at the Dodge facility. It's at the a Fraternal Order of Police Lodge. It on is, Dodge.
1: On Dodge. <laughs> okay. On Dodge. So, so as a paternal order of a police um, um, lodge on Dodge, and so I encourage, I think it sits a lot of people. So I think... It,
0: it's, it does. There's, it's so not limited speed. I
1: encourage everyone to register for that because you, you can ask me any question that comes in, I will answer to the best of my ability any and every question. You can also visit mikej.com. You can get information on that town on that town hall on my website. And you can read more about me on I don't think it's been posted yet on my website, but you'll be able to see a link to the town hall on my website. And you can learn more about me on that. You can contribute and the contribute and donate. You can also sign petitions. So don't if you if you really are caring about this this office and what happens in our community. Go online if you're an independent or a Democrat. Sign my petition. If you're Republican, don't, but you can give me money. I'm not going to say no money, but for my petition. If you're an independent, non-party or Democrat, go on, sign, and give what you can. Because if you're really concerned about making a change, that's where it starts. Get active. We just talked about the beginning of Get the active. hour. Get active. Get active.
0: Get active. Get off your butts and do something. In the town hall, will be from 9:30 to noon. And it's 3445 North Dodge, Fraternal Order of Police Lodge. And the link is on the lawmatters1030.org website. Go to the events page, and you can register there. We want you to register. We want to know who's coming, because if we get a lot of people and there are no more seats, we'll have to hold it out in the parking
1: lot. (laughs) Well, I at least have a microphone. But I will have a link on my website to your website. So if people see it and they can just link it, I'll, I'll hyperlink it to your website. And
0: this is for the 17th of February, so...
1: A few weeks away.
0: A few weeks away. And what about the voting thing? If they want to have a voice in the primary, you have to pick a side before the twentieth of February.
1: Well, you're you're talking about a certain class of voters. So, Democrats, you will always have a, a right to vote in the August sixth primary. So but we're all talking Democrats, about
0: the independents, because that's what I am.
1: Independence, non-party. Um, you guys have an option. You will get you will be asked after this is going to be sometime in April and May. You'll be sent a notification from the from Pima County Elections. About which ballot do you want. Do not throw that away. All you've got to do is undo the envelope, check Democratic ballot, and put it back in the mail.
0: Or you, Republican. Or Republican. You, you have to have your voice heard. Whichever party you want to have influence in, that's what you pick and send it back. Don't do like you did with the mayor's thing and not vote.
1: Yeah, this is important because last election, four years ago, only... 2% of independents voted in the primary, only 2%.
0: And then there's a majority of people are independent the now. The majority
1: of people are independent. So your voice isn't being heard. So when you when you complain on the TV about the TV and you complain about coverage, <laughs> this is where it starts. So pick the de- pick whatever ballot you want, pick Democrat or Republican, and now you'll be sent the early, and you will ask, ask you, do you want an early voting ballot? And yep. you say, yes, give Probably. it to me. Or if give you me, don't, go on election day on August 6th and go in there and say, I want Mike Jetty for Pima County attorney or I want this person for sheriff or I want this person from wherever. But you need to start. Do not throw away that that, that notification from Pima County elections because it's asking you, which ballot do you want? Yeah. All right. You get a choice.
0: You, you, you have a choice. You have a choice. And you want your voice heard. It's not something that you want to neglect because if you neglect it, then we're living with the results of it. And then you're complaining. And you didn't do anything about changing it. And I think the the big misnomer is and I think only two percent of independents voted because they didn't realize they could.
1: I'll even go a step further. If you if you're dead serious about your Pima County attorney's race and you're dead serious about what's going on, even Republicans, you can go switch your party to independent. Go you can go online, switch it to independent and then you will get a, a notification, true. a choice which primary to vote in. This is important. This isn't some charlatan. This is not. This say the, the office should be nonpartisan. By the way, I think sure. it should be. And so, if you're if you're focused on making people accountable, you got to get involved. You got to get involved. If you're Republican. Switch it to independent so you can get a primary, a Democratic primary. If you're an independent, pick the Democratic ballot. This and I've,
0: I've done that in the past. I'm like, okay, who do I want to influence? I think I'll do the Republicans this year.
1: <laughs> no, you have,
0: whatever's going on. You well. have a right
1: in this, these elections to have your voice heard.
0: Absolutely you have a right. So, you know, learn how to do it and just go online and make it happen at the Pima County Recorder's Office.
1: Pima County elections, and it'll be a, a yeah, it'll be a, a little a little button there for you. Say voter registration, and so you, you click on it. It'll it's, it's it's baby step for you. It's, it's, really it's it really is like, kindergarten style. So it's not very complicated. Takes whatsoever. like two minutes. Two minutes. Yeah, best two minutes. Have a cup of coffee. Two minutes of your time in that way. Then you can really complain when something when you vote and something didn't happen the way you want. Then you, you can, can complain. complain. Yeah. Then
0: I'll listen to you. Yeah. But until then. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm being mean. So, is you're right now? You're working in Santa Cruz County. Is that the only case you're handling down there?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm helping out with some.
0: You're helping out. Drug,
1: over overloaded on drug case. I'm helping out. I'm. I got a skill set, and so they're they're taking advantage of me for for a small period of time, which is nice. I'm there for the murder trial.
0: Okay. You just mentioned drugs coming over the border. How are they coming over? Illegally or through the port of entry, or how does?
1: Well, they're all coming illegally. Well, unless yeah. they're coming in a. But I'm talking about the
0: legal, legal, <laughs> The majority people? of drugs,
1: I think the number, I think the number is like 86 percent. I mean, it's 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 high. It comes to the port of entry. Most of the drugs come through the port of entry. There is some drugs that come over by the fence, by, by by mules who are humping it over the land. There are some who do that, but the majority of that comes to the port of entry. I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but that's the majority. Yeah. And that's federal jurisdiction. All that stuff is federal The port of entry, when you get apprehended at the port of entry, that's federal. And so that case, it gets referred to the U.S. Attorney's Office for Prosecution, right? When someone's caught in the desert, depending on, are they on national land, tribal land, Cochise land, so you Pima land. Latitude depends,
0: and longitude. It all depends on what jurisdiction
1: it. you're in. So Pima County does have a, you know, an enormous part of the border down there. However, it all depends on where this individual is found for me to have jurisdiction over them. So,
0: Okay, so you do do drug cases. That's
1: absolutely. If there's a drug case and someone's muling in drugs, absolutely.
0: And what kind of sentence do these people get? And are they Americans? Because I heard more Americans smuggling drugs than the illegals do. Is that true?
1: Well, I, I couldn't speak intelligently like on that. I don't know that. I haven't okay. dived, dived deep you into You just got that. home. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 all I can tell you is those drug carriers are not cartel members. Those drug carriers are paying a fee. Most of that stuff is paying a fee to come in. So they usually okay. pay cash. Illegals will try. Migrants will try to pay cash to come in. If they don't have cash, they requisite... Quid pro quo is you, you sling dope. You come through with dope or whatever drugs that's, and that is your cost of crossing into the United States. And so most of my defendants in those situations are not. These are people who are, unfortunately, they don't have the money to do it, and they want to come and be your roofer, be your landscaper, work a hard job. And the only way they can come over here is they got to carry some illegal product. Are they responsible for it? Sure, but we need to understand the motivation of some of these individuals, so how I treat them that's a different ball game and so you want a, you want a prosecutor who's got the experience in how to treat these individuals compassionately and what is the best what is the best sentencing for them and so there's a, it all depends on who that individual is and I can't comment on a specific case, but if you've got fifteen reentries and, or you've got you know, you're, you're moving in fentanyl, for example, I mean all those factors. Changes Way changes the algorithm of how we treat people, right? It all changes the algorithm. So.
0: so, what's the what's the court case that haunts you that you can't stop thinking about? Something in your experience? You're not haunted by anything. That's awesome.
1: No, well, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, I'm 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 always disappointed if I can't get if I can't get justice for a victim. I'm always yeah. disappointed by that. Um, my job is to hold them accountable and present the best case to a jury. And wherever the jury decides, that's how it decides. So when I leave everything on the field, right, and the jury still doesn't come my way, I've done my job as a prosecutor. So I don't take that personally. Whatever jury verdict is, I don't take it personally. However, I do feel pain for a victim because that victim, I, I've been a victim, but there's been worse victims than me for sure. So so for me, it's, it's, it's I victim think- voice.
0: I think we talked until we can't talk anymore. John is telling us to shut up. So until next week, shop local and stay
1: safe. Thank you, Sherry.
0: Thank you.